Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Sam. How are you, man? Mate, so good. It's good to have you in here today and, and have a convo in a studio as mates. This is what, number two? This is number two with us together. Um, but I want to dive straight into a thought I've had recently about, about your journey and, and more specifically the, the movement in, a, in terms of geographically where you've been moving a lot. When we first moved together in, um, in Sydney, it actually wasn't there for that long. We weren't, we, weren't, we weren't hanging around together, living together for that long because COVID was playing around and you ended up leaving. Talk to me about environment. I want to know the impact you think it makes on you and having moved a lot of times into different environments, if you think it plays a big role for you? Yeah, I think um, moving environments catalyzes change, but it doesn't fulfill the full part. So I think if you're trying to escape something which is actually internal, changing your external environment won't be an appropriate solution to that internal problem. So if you're running away from something, it's not going to work. But definitely moving environments catalyzes change. I mean, I've I've lived in five cities in the last five years. Crazy. Byron, Gold Coast, Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne. Mm. And I think when you when you talk about like the environment and the people that are in that environment and how much they can sort of play effect an effect on you, even when you're not even noticing it. Like you've been, you've lived with family a bit, um, different families. You've lived with friends. You've lived alone. Do you think like living with people plays a role? And do you think like, like for me personally, when I was living with family, the dinner conversations was something that was extremely straining and draining on me because I found that it was a really uninspiring conversation and I would leave it feeling drained. You've lived with family a bit back and forth. 
would that be a conversation you would dread? Um, would it be something that you think would take a toll on you, uh, just as an example in terms of a dinner convo? Yeah, well, this year's been a good example. I mean, I, I've spent the majority of 2023 renting a part of my auntie's house in Melbourne. Mm. And the reason I moved to Melbourne was because I wanted to dial in on the business and health categories of life and less so the social. Mm. It's not sustainable forever, but for a short term, it was what I wanted. And I'm extroverted by nature, meaning I get energy from people as opposed to introversion where you get energy by being on your own or you lose energy by being with people. And by being with the family, um, I mean, I've got a great family and I was able to stay in on a Friday night, stay in on a Saturday night and maybe catch up with a mate once a week max or even once a fortnight and just dial in on my own doing my business stuff. But maintain that social. Yeah, but then like I can go out and have a chat at dinner time. So it was really helpful for me. I'd still get that kind of chatter outlet. Mm. but I didn't need to go and catch up with mates and do bunch of, a bunch of different things because I just wanted to dial in. And that's what I wanted for then. It's not what I want now. And that's yeah. why I've moved. So I think that's, there's, there's power in that being able to have that, that outlet. And also obviously you had your call them sisters, basically <laughs> um, your, your nep- nephews, is it? Um, um, nieces, cousins, cousins. Yeah. Um, you obviously had your cousins in in there, which was great watching them grow up and being like that bigger brother for them, which was kind of cool. Um, and maybe a sibling figure for you, which you maybe didn't have growing up, which is kind of a cool, cool thing to experience as well, especially in their final years of school and, and learning that. If anything, do you think maybe being in closer proximity to them taught you a bit about how you want to parent as well and certain things, would you say? Would you say that there was aspects that you took away from that being like, I want aspects of that and I don't want aspects of that in my kids? Um, I probably haven't had a whole lot of thought to that side of things. I mean, living with Izzy and Lulu, um, as you know, I am an only child. And so Izzy and Lulu, my two twin cousin girl, twin cousins are like sisters to me. Like they'll be the, the aunties of my children. Mm. And um, living with them, has given me confidence for the future because my relationship with it, with them is stronger than ever. Yeah. Um, and so I'm, I'm so grateful for that. If anything came from 2023, that would be up in one of the top the relationship with them. top few things that happened from, from this year. Yeah. Um, I think as well, a big takeaway is it's so important to be able to be 100% happy only being with yourself. Mm. It's amazing the type of peace you experience when you are 100% content being on your own. If you are happy being with you, you're never going to be alone ever. It's a bit of a weird way to look at it. But also on the contrary, if you hate yourself or if you can't be on your own and you're always needing an outlet, then you're, you're never going to find peace. And so I think for anyone who, I think when you're as much as it's awesome to live with your mates and to be, in an environment which has a great community, sometimes you can get addicted to it and you can't be on your own. Well, when I think back to when I never used to be able to be on, on my own, I couldn't go for a walk without scrolling through my contacts list while trying to find someone to call. I would just go down a list because I couldn't walk alone. I couldn't even, I literally could not even walk alone and be in my own thoughts. And that was crazy. And when I, when I learned that was when, Lockdown happened and you and Kel left. 
and I was had no friends, had no one to to speak to except for you guys, and I was I, I was by myself, and that was such a challenging time. But then you overcome that, and then you become at peace by yourself, and then that moment when I realized that I actually really love my own company, there was so much power in that. And then what it also allows you to do is realize that it's not of value having people around you if they're not good value people. And so you kind of are more harsh on the people you let in your circle when you are comfortable with yourself because you don't settle for someone else just for the sake of having someone else there. And so then you can be more critical with the people around you and realize that if someone's a net negative, as I'll call them, if they're a net negative, I'd rather be alone than with them. And I'm not going to be with them just for the sake of it. Yeah. I guess another way to make it really simple is you're full on your own and adding other people in your life are bonuses, bonuses. as opposed to bringing other people in to fill gaps. Yeah. Remember that video that we made when we were down in Melbourne, we were driving and we are trying to think of a... Um, are they your second half or are they a bonus to you already being full? Yeah. Because if they're your second half and technically they can leave you at any point in time, then at any half point empty. in time you can be broken. Yeah. And so it's almost like that analogy of the table and saying that you are the table and everything else around you are the plates on top of the table. So you're the table. And then your relation, your romantic relationships is a plate on the table. Your friends are a plate on the table. Your business is a plate on the table. Your health is a plate on the table. But you're the table. You're internal. You are the table. What happens when people get into relationships, close ones with friends or romantic relationships, their partner, friend, or whatever that might may be, becomes a leg of the table as opposed to a plate. So then if they leave you, a leg of the table snaps off. So not only you get broken, but everything else comes tumbling down on top as well. And so it's that whole thing around being completely full with you and everything else is a plate on the table and you're a sturdy, strong table. So if a plate breaks, everything else is still strong. Everything's fine. But if they're a leg, then everything gets crumbled if they leave. Interesting. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on talk talk to me about this? This is this is an interesting thing. We've obviously got in the right room sometimes and been sort of way below our pay grade in terms of the places and positions we've got ourselves into. Like when you talk about like networking, we've got ourselves into rooms and we're say 17 and everyone else is like 40 trying to make money. And we somehow stand out in the crowd and somehow people that we idolize and look up to see something in us and want to invest into us. You're a master networker. I think it's safe to say that like you're the best in the biz when it comes to, when it comes to networking. You know how to somehow make a really good impression, but then you also know how to follow up, be recent and frequent and just get people that are doing better than you that have things that you're trying to achieve, invest into you. And you've proven it time and time again. What are some of the secrets that you attribute that to? Like what, what are some of the things? If someone asks you like, where do I start? I want to be able to meet new people, meet mentors, find the right mentors, like, and you had to give them three things. Like, what what would they be? The first thing is that the actual skill that you've got to get good at is you've got to get good at acting like you belong 
at the level above you which you don't belong yet. Faking it till you're making it, I guess you could say as well. Yeah, that would be another way of putting it. Yeah. yeah. Acting like you belong, I reckon, sounds better. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if you're Normalizing playing- it, not putting it at a pedestal, is yeah, that what you're and, saying? And things like that is, you know, we're about to, we've got a meeting later today at the studio with a few guys. One of the guys owns a nice Ferrari. It's at the front of the studio. When we walk into the studio, if we walk in there and go, oh my God, check out that car. That is unreal. I want to have one of those Sundays and just go off our chops. Like there's a divide, divide between there. us and having that car. We're obviously somebody who aren't surrounded by that sort of wealth and by th those sort of things. And so you walk in there and go, nice car. That's awesome. Good on you. Move on. Normalizing the success as it's already happened in our life. Yeah. Between you and I, we can go and jump around at the car all day. But with people that are above us, you have to act as if they would act walking into a room with that car. Yeah. They give you an opportunity. You just say, be more humble, more yeah. neutral about it, not be jumping and rearing at the bits of it because then they question how frequent that comes into your life, how normal that is for you. And then obviously if they're questioning your ability, your skill set, then that means that they're like – it's kind of they know they're above you whereas if yeah. you if yeah but if you, i mean they i mean to be fair it's like these people we're going to meet know that they're above us but they see the potential in us but it's also like if they've got an event coming up and they go oh Sammy and Chris like that they, though I'm going to invite those two guys to come along yeah and you know the first thing that's going to go through their mind is okay well how are Sam and Chris going to act around my friends if we're going to one of my friend's places who has nice cars or has, you know, cool things, if Sam and Chris rock up and they're jumping around, am I going to want to associate myself with them and introduce them Their to this person? Yeah. And so um, you've got to think about that as well. But I think as well, you know, people look at networking and they, they focus 100% on the introduction and meeting the person. Like we're in a networking room, we're at a seminar you know, I need to go up to them and have a business card and shake their hand really sternly, look them in the eyes and leave a good impression. Mm. I would I would argue that that's 20% maximum the task. The other 80% is what you do after you meet them. It's if they remember you or not. Mm. And the that's actually the easier part because you can systemize it. You can, we call them value-added follow-ups. It's a sales term. A vafu. I, I, yeah, I use them in networking more than I, more than I use them in sales. Mm. it's their phone number it's sending them a text it's finding an article online that relates to the a tiny minute com, um, piece of the conversation that you had yeah. with them that so showing them that you remembered it yeah. it's like after you finish talking to them quickly pull out your phone and pretend you're sending a text but you're actually writing down notes firstly starting with their name and secondly starting with a little unique thing about the conversation that you can loop back six days later when you when you text them yeah you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and if you create a habit of doing it, then you don't have, it's. Commenting on the Instagrams, yeah. like, like just being recent and frequent so that then when your name pops up again, they go, oh, I've seen this guy. I remember him. Another thing is, um, is the most, the most powerful thing that can happen that supports your credibility is when a third party talks to the person you're trying to build a relationship with about you independently of you. Mm. So if you're networking with Jim, 
and Jim is uh, worth $100 million and you're trying to leave a good impression. The best thing that can happen to you is Gary, who's Jim's best mate or business partner, saying to Jim, oh, did you see that guy, Chris? Like, he was a beast. He was so intelligent, smart. And you know what? He, he, he sent me a text six days later talking about this tiny little thing that we touched on. He has such a good memory. Like, we should do business with him sometime. Like, yeah. Jim is going to be like, not wow. even even Not even that level of extreme. Just even them bringing the name up in a positive way in this, whatever that may be leaves a good impression because they trust Jim. And it's like, so like... Those guys are best mates, so they're going to judge their other, each other's judgment in terms of like how they perceive a certain person. So if you can leave a good impression on them, they're going to get talking. It's also just being the, the topic point of the room as well. Is like If it's a positive thing, if you've left an impact on someone in a certain way, they're going to go, yeah, this guy's unique because that doesn't happen regularly. Yeah, and I would say a really easy way to do, to do that is just check what what accounts Jim follows, right? Just check what accounts they follow, what accounts they engage with if they're using social media. That's one of the best ways to do it. What accounts, like who likes their posts? You can usually find it out. It's mm. usually not that hard, especially when, the, when they're not like viral on socials, which a lot of the time these high net worth older guys aren't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then I guess, I guess that's, that's like those sorts of people... I've been getting asked the question a lot about friends recently and how do you meet the right friends? Talking about this tide rising concept and and like I talk so highly of the people I have around me right now and everyone just goes like, I'm struggling to meet new friends. It's a tough thing. It's a tough thing to meet new friends. And when I say talk about networking in terms of meeting friends, I go, look, I don't have the answer on how you're going to meet them. But what I do know is if you constantly focus on leveling up you as a person, when you meet someone, you're going to leave a really good impression and that's going to in, in, like that's going to make them want to hang out with you more. Because when I look at my best friends that I hang out with now, aside from you and the ones I'm living with now, basically, how did I meet Jake, one of my roommates? I was seeing a girl and she was moving out of her house and basically she put up a thing on her story. I need somewhere to store some boxes while I go overseas for a couple of months. Jake matched with this girl on, on Hinge a couple of months before and he had some space in his garage and he swiped up on her story and said, uh, hey, you, you can store it in, in my garage. Next minute, I'm dropping off this girl's stuff at one of my now best friends and roommate's house and that's how we met. And so you go... I didn't formulate meeting that person. But what I did do was I fo I've, I've been focusing and obsessing over leveling up myself and making me somewhat interesting so that then when I got in front of that person, I left a good impression. And then off the back of that, obviously following up and hanging out and doing all the other little things. But What I reckon, I reckon you're right. And what I reckon is even bigger than that though, and you've done this particularly with Jake, is giving without any expectation of anything in return. If you, like Gary V says, jab, 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 right hook. Yep. Uh, people say give without return. If you literally give and help somebody without expecting anything in return and, and actually genuinely without respecting any, expecting anything in return, then 
that is how you gain respect. They feel obliged to give you something back though as well. They go, I need, I owe you as well. That's a feeling that they have. And it's just as humans, we feel like we need to return the favor. Yeah, they, they typically will reciprocate. Yeah. Um, but they'll also garner respect for you because they know that it's the opposite of commission breath. It's yeah. the opposite of selling. And you did that with Jake. But, but also like if I wasn't the person that I was, I could have given and maybe they wouldn't have been of interest. Take the next, the next level of that conversation. My other roommate and his best friend, Alfie, you go, Jake wanted to intro me to Alfie because of business and was like, oh, you'll get along just business wise, not to become part of the boys, just to like learn about business. But then my character, once we met up, we all got along like a house on fire. And now we're not only going into business together, but we're also really, really good mates. And so my answer to people that are trying to meet new friends, they're stuck with old crew and they're trying to, they feel like there's a bit of a divide with their old friends now. And they really, it's that lonely period where they're in between friend groups and they don't really know how to meet these new people. My advice is, look, it's, it's not it's not an answer you want to hear because I can't just say, do this and you're going to meet new friends. But what I'm going to say is focusing on le- leveling up all the things in your life that are interesting, that are, that are what people value. And by doing so, you're going to level up and you're going to attract people at that higher level. It's like if you don't, if you don't attract those people and think about who, who these people are attracted by, how do you expect to get become friends with them, get in the same route, like like a bond with them. How do you expect that to happen? You you can't. Like you've got to be an idiot to think that you can't level up to their standard or at least pretend to be like their standard without uh, and respect and expect them to be attracted to you. Sure. You can't. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Anyway, that's that's like my thoughts on networking. Obviously, you spoke it a bit more about in a business relationship, a mentor relationship. But for me, and a lot of the questions I get are about friends and mm. meeting friends. And I guess a lot of the content I post nowadays as well is about this amazing crew that everyone's trying to lift everyone up and level up. And I guess people are trying to figure out where that came from and how I found that. And it goes, I just don't have an easy answer for you. But the, 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 the root thing is just level up yourself. Another piece that's that's cool these days is so like was it Hormozy or Chris Williamson or one of them I think it was Hormozy said that confidence um, confidence come from developing an undeniable stack of proof that you are who you say you are more or less you 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 don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror you become confident by stacking undeniable proofs that you are who you say you are yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly and. That's about the relationship with yourself. But also if the way, one of the ways I use socials is that is, you know, if I meet somebody in business in networking or through mutual friend and we connect on Instagram, my content is promoting my life and what I'm doing. That's getting up in the, getting up early in the morning, going to the gym that's business meetings, that's different businesses updating on, for example, this com- commercial property deal that we've just done. And it's it's a stack of truths on who I am. And so what happens then is when we get to a point with Jim, who 
I've met a few weeks ago or a few months ago, we might not even have spoken at all, but he's been following me on Instagram and seeing a couple of stories here and there on me living this lifestyle. When we then go to do business together, I've got more credibility than I would have had if we weren't connected on socials. Well, it's your resume in a sense. It's your modern day resume because people are seeing what you do who you are and they they can already go obviously it's a highlight reel admittedly but you're seeing characteristics that you do on a regular basis assuming assuming that you're authentic and genuine on there so with that as an assumption they're going okay this guy's disciplined this guy's legit he works hard and these are all different characteristics that they want to know before they do business with you to 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 vet you Mm. right and so even it's a it's a it's a people say after you've booked, you know, started promoting yourself more on social media, what have you found? Has it been good? Has it been bad? And I've got 1,500 followers only, which is less than probably, I would say that's in the bottom 30% of people our age. Like it's nothing. However, there's been so much gain from it, which is quite difficult to quantify, but gain, for example, what we just explained. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I, I want to digress a little bit. I've got a bit of a vulnerable question I want to ask you. What year in your life do you think was the most challenging year of your life and why? Um, I think 2022. So we were in business in 20, 2020 and then we both went and, went and um, found jobs in, in kind of in corporate sales and I... The, the company I worked for, I worked for them for 21 to 2022. And 2021 was great because, you know, you were learning new stuff where I was 19 years old. I was learning systems and processes in corporate. Um, and there was a lot to learn and take in. It was fun. It was exciting. I had, you know, had a bit more of a secure income off, off the back of, a, of running a startup with you. 2022, I probably stayed at that job six to 12 months longer than I should have. And, um, and... It was, it was the most challenging because, and this sounds extreme, but it was, it was, you know, both of your, your relationship with being employed and my relationship with being employed is like being imprisoned. And that's what it felt like. And I wouldn't change anything because that phase is able to stick with me. And when things get hard in business, I can connect back to it. But I um but twenty twenty two would have would have been the hardest. Mm. For sure. Do you think do you think that the employment like I mean, was it the employment that was the most challenging part? Like being stuck in that job? Or do you find like was there certain things that maybe you weren't proud of that um, maybe the employment brought more out of you or was there like something in your life that you think like, I don't know, like, w- like was yeah. it something that wasn't the living environment? What was the things that made you feel? I think, um, I think when, when life is easy, if you're not demanding greatness from yourself, at least this is my experience of life. All of the times in my life when I've been demanding greatness – I've been working the hardest and achieving the most. And when I have a higher calling, 
I'm the healthiest, I'm the most routine-oriented, I'm the most disciplined, and I'm the best version of myself. Mm. When I've got secure income and when I... I'm not saying we will never have secure income, but when I'm not being pulled to greatness, when I'm not, um, you know, audaciously pursuing my life, that's when you fall to degenerative acts. That's when you party too much. That's when you drink too much. And it's it's a hard mix because you're also, uh, in that particular year, 20 years old. Yeah. And so you're not, you, you can't be too hard on yourself. And um, and the the core takeaway is the 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 higher callings you have and the the harder you're pushing yourself and the the greatest the more audacious your pursuits are the the better everything in your life will be i think a great question that stems from this then is what do you think the main the biggest contributing factor to your happiness is you spoke about it a bit in brief there in terms of having a calling and having things to strive towards but do you think there's one main contributing factor to your happiness I don't know. Happiness is is an interesting one. I've played around with it a bunch, and I heard um, Iman Gaji say something that I say he shared something on happiness that I really resonated with. And he said is he said he doesn't believe in happiness. He thinks what is actually in place of happiness is a trifecta of peace, joy, and fulfillment. Mm. And what he says it's quite interesting. He says that you can only achieve one or two of them at the same time. Peace, so, joy, fulfillment. Peace, joy, and fulfillment. So if you want 100% peace, you can't be running a company. And if running a company and financial success is what fulfills you, then you have to be running a company. But then you can't be 100% in peace. Yeah. And then joy comes in there as well. Joy is... is I think what a lot of people confuse happiness with, it's those those um, kind of shorter enjoyments with, you know, um, kind of a, a, a smaller experience with a loved one or a friend I lo- or, or a, yeah. I, I, lo- I actually love that because as I was thinking about it, like I was thinking that my happiness is tied to progression and when I'm progressing in my life, I find to be more happy. But what it actually is, is the joy comes from the progression, I think. When you're progressing in your life, it's because because the joy in the little things. It's very hard to have joy in things when you're stuck in a rut and in the same place. When you're progressing in your business or career, when you're progressing in your relationships, in your fitness, you find joy in the little things a lot more. Yeah, it's, I mean... Because it becomes mundane and, and less enjoyable when you're not progressing so maybe like it's 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 like if you're with your girlfriend and you're having a nice dinner at home you have a glass of wine you have a home-cooked meal and you're great sounds great but if you've got a presentation tomorrow that you've procrastinated on all day present oh it's going to be a pretty bad experience i couldn't enjoy that i wouldn't be happy i wouldn't be peaceful and so it's like, and that's because you you didn't fulfill that fulfillment piece earlier in the day, which is ticking off the to-do list boxes mm. in your business. And so right. I, I, I think it's a I think it's it's a trifecta between joy, peace, and fulfillment. And you can vary all between the three. It's a it's always changing, it's it's moving. Right. 
it also changes through phases of life as well. Like when, when you know, having a family is a different phase to running a business. Retirement mm. is a different phase to starting up in business. So having, that's really interesting because you can be happy on a macro scale in terms if I'm progressing right and I feel I'm, I can enjoy the little things. But if you've got something that's stripping away your presence by like and something that's hanging on the back of your mind, like I need to do this, I need to do this, you may still be progressing but you're struggling to be happy because you can't enjoy the present moment because all you're thinking about is something else. So maybe it's like... Happy, obviously, if, if happiness is split up into those three things, for you to be able to have the, the joy in the moment with your di- with, at dinner with your partner with a wine and a nice home-cooked meal, you need to have ticked some boxes off the to-do list to feel like you've progressed for the day already maybe. Yeah, and, and I also think that if you have this massive expectation for happiness, life is hard. Yeah. Like the reality is not going to meet your expectation. Mm. And if that's the case, you're then going to be sad because you're not happy. And I mean, um, one interesting example of when I learned this was like this paradox concept was it was in 2021 when we were living together in Vaucluse that there was a bit there where I had started working full-time for Lightspeed, but I was still working at the pub on Mm. weekends and I was working seven days a week. And what was interesting when we, it was only a few weeks that we, I did that for, but what was interesting is once you, you committed to yourself, I I work every day, like I'm going to a job every single day, you, you stopped counting down the days and waiting for it to be Friday and waiting for the weekend because there was no weekend. Like your expectation was you go to work every day. And so when the reality was that you don't get a weekend, you weren't disappointed because that Mm. was never your expectation. And so I think with happiness as well, I think people just like, especially people who are on the grind, like you and I, we're both single. We both only have ourselves to look after right now. Um, We're on the absolute grind. And I don't think the goal should be to be happy. But also the happiness only stems from the bad times because you need the polarity to even make happy something. It's true. Because without the bad, the, the good is just normal. And maybe looping back to what we were saying before, how we were saying the goal is to be full and then anyone else is a bonus. I'm like, I'm never going to be happy and then happiness is a bonus. Yeah. Well, eliminating all of the expectations so all of reality is a bonus. (laughs) Think about it like that. It makes you feel better. Dude, when you remove all of the expectation, life becomes so much better. However, I think an important distinguishment to make is expectation and standards are separate yeah so you remove all the expectation but maintain Keep all the, the standards. Stem- standards because people might get confused with those two because because the expectation is what you're expecting the outcome but if you can control the output standard so your your output standard but remove the expectation from the outcome that's where the happiness could lie because what it means is there's then there's no distance between expectation and reality. Mm. If your expectation's here, if reality is here, that's great. But if reality is here, then it's, there's too much distance, which yeah. is which is sad. But if your expectation is fluid and can land wherever the reality lands, then there's never going to be any delta. Yeah, and the distance between the reality and the expectation is the 
letdown. Is the letdown. Is the disappointment. Is the disappointment, yeah. Yeah. And I've learned that time and time again. And I've gotten to a point now where I can't have any – I was on a client call this morning and expectations through the roof. She's probably watching this if we drop this. Expectations through the roof. And then I'm basically just being like, yeah, look, I don't care about the numbers that you're telling me right now because nothing's happened and I think we should just focus on everything we need to do before that launch and then you put yourself the best foot forward but you haven't expected anything in terms of the outcome. And she shut me down and was like, no, 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 like you're you're ruining this, right, right. But it's just like I've been burnt too many times by my expectations I've been burnt by me, my thoughts within within me when I'm launching a business and then I get shat on and I feel the worst I possibly could because A, I've put in all this time, B, I've put in all this time with the expectation to get a certain result out of it and then when I don't hit it, I'm extremely disappointed because I literally can't, yeah, I, I'm, I didn't get what I wanted. Whereas now when I'm going into any business, I literally just go, yeah, cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything. This is the thought. This is what I'm gonna have. I'm just gonna get it out there. I'm not gonna expect anything because I just keep getting shot on. Yeah. Let me read this quote. It's you'll know this. It's it's from Rocky, right? Yeah. It ain't about how hard you're hit. It's about how you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. Get back up. Yeah. It's like you're gonna get knocked down, and so no one cares if you get knocked down what happens is if you stay down or you get back up. Yeah. Well, they don't judge you on how you, on getting knocked down. They judge you on how you get back up. Exactly. And the faster you get back up, the faster you can keep moving forwards. Even on a really micro level, if you deal with any high level business person and they're really emotional, it's a, it's a major red, red flag. flag. Yeah. It's such a red flag because the best business people are so stoic because they have just, you have to be stoic because an example is the other day. So yesterday I got a text message that we probably won't go forward with a particular pitch that we were looking at. That pitch was with a guy almost worth a billion dollars. And an idol of yours. An idol of mine. <laughs> he, you know, across all of his media platforms and social accounts, he gets half a billion views a month. A month. Unbelievable, right? And... Um, I got the news that we probably won't be able to go ahead and pitch them. What was my what was my reaction in the car when I got that text? Yeah, just like oh, it's all right. I I didn't have I wasn't backing on this to to go through anyway, so it's fine. Like obviously, I'd prefer to have the pitch, but um, like I judge the, all the partners' decisions and and I, ju- I respect their judgment. Yeah. Move on. Yeah, Michael Lane, one of my one of my oldest mentors. He used to say early in his career, he used to have bad weeks. In the middle of his career, he used to have bad days. Later on, he used to have bad minutes. And now he has bad seconds. That's great. Because he doesn't let anything hold, hold yeah, hang go, on to him. He drops the backpack every bad time. Bad news. All right. What's yeah, next? Yeah. It's just funny about when you said that Rocky quote. It's like that thought around like, like they can beat you down but you just got to get back up. They can wish that you fail, but you just got to prove them wrong. It's almost like whenever you are going through hardships, just know that the thing you are going through is going to benefit you in the long run. Like it'll inspire yourself. It'll inspire many others because if you're making it out of like a dark tunnel, 
and you make it out the light at the end of the tunnel, you've now proven that that's been done. You've stacked evidence on top of you and that confidence that you gain from making it out the other end is not only going to inspire you to make it out another dark hole, but it's also going to inspire everyone else because they've seen that someone's done it. Mm-hmm. And it's so important because it's a lonely journey sometimes and it's only you that you have and you're the only one that you can rely on and you literally have to go, like have the balls within yourself to go, I'm going to keep pushing through if it's the right thing to do. Like I see light at the end of the tunnel and I'm going to keep going and recognizing that if the thing's the wrong thing, then hang up the boots and being able to fail fast. But holistically in terms of your journey, it's like, keep going. It's you. You got to keep going. And the knockdowns might be a failed business or the knockdowns might be a breakup. The knockdowns might be something going wrong, you know? As long as the knockdown is not that you die. If it's anything above that, then it's sweet. Like, like <laughs> whatever, if nothing, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger is actually true when well, you think about it. We, I sent you a video a couple of days ago and it was something like 97, 97% of businesses fail in the first three years or whatever, something ridiculous. Yeah. And, and they did a study on, I think it was Elon and all of his mates when they were doing PayPal, when, yeah. when X.com merged with PayPal. Yeah. And it was some case study of all of those guys. And, every single one of them has become like a billionaire or something Mm. absurd like that. Like it was the founder of LinkedIn, um, Peter Thiel, Elon, a bunch of others. Yeah. And it was like 97% of businesses fail, but if you never quit, 97% of business entrepreneurs will inevitably win. Yeah. And like you and I can say the same thing. As long as you're not getting wiped out by your failures and you're being calculated enough for the downside to not be a wipeout, typically a wipeout is something that you end up negative, like financially negative, like debt. Like if you can stay out Still of debt that, when though. you fail, like or big serious big debt, and then it's not going to really put you behind too far. Yeah, but like you're if you don't quit even if you get in a rut, you're still going to make like the the right entrepreneur will. Yeah, but if you can't, you can't be running, reasons, running out in the front line with no shield. No. You know what I mean? Yeah, with, yeah. Or, all guns firing and blazing. You've still got to carry yeah. a shield. Yeah, we've certainly done yeah. that before though, admittedly. Um, but I guess it's that whole thing around like, what do we have to lose? Like realistically, we don't yeah. have a family, we don't have a house, we don't have all this stuff that's going to set us back. If we lose everything we have, so what? Exactly. Like what, what do we have to lose? Quite literally nothing. Yeah. If, we, if we run out of money, there's five people we could call and, and sleep on their couch. We're going to have a roof over our head. That's fine. Exactly. It's like the knowledge that we're gaining is far beyond our years in which we have this so much confidence in our ability to succeed. It's like an undeniable confidence. I guess navigate like with that, we're navigating through, you know, shiny object, object syndrome. People mm. are throwing different things at us and we kind of got to, have, got to like take things with a grain of salt in a sense and really – get clear on what we're doing because we can't do everything. I'm really interested to know like business aside, just life. What are your priorities right now? Like, like what, what are your priorities in in life right now? What do you, what do you right now? Right now. It's a hard question to ask when you preface the question with business aside. 
Well, business is a main part of your life. So I'm just saying it doesn't have to be exclusively business, yeah. like life. And business is one of the biggest factors of your life, correct me if I'm wrong, but like especially right now. Yeah. So it can be a part of that, but like I just didn't want to say exclusively yeah. business because that's like, all right, yeah, I'm trying to find the right business model, et cetera. Well, like at a high level, I've looked at my life right now and I've and you know, you've got a certain amount of hours in the day. So just look at it like an investment portfolio. If you have a million dollars, you're going to allocate that million dollars of capital into different asset classes to diversify and your primary undergirding reason as to why you're investing it in certain asset classes is based on what yield it's going to return you. And so I look at my hours in the day and go, if I spend an hour here, what is the yield going to be? What do I get in return? If I spend an hour here, what am I going to get in return? And basing that back to what I want, right? And I've said, I've got amazing people in my life. Platonically, I've got my family. I've got my brothers. I've got plenty of women I can spend time with, guys. My relationship kind of category is, is okay. My health category is equally okay. I'm, I'm happy with how I look. I'm happy with my physical performance. It could 100% be better and more optimized. But for every hour I have, if I invest that in business, developing more relationships or increasing my health, the greatest return for me that will, that will impact the rest of my life is business right now. Mm. Like having, building a capital base and a, a, um, a credible set of wins behind me is going to return so much more than adding an extra 1% difference to my health or 1% difference to my relationship. So basically what I'm saying is business is the 100% focus for me. Mm. Another way to quickly put it is Hormozy, somebody asked Hormozy and said, mate, how, how, do I, how do I split my time? How do I know how to prioritize? And, and Hormozy said, write down the top 10 things you want to achieve right now. He said, then cross out the bottom five circle the top one and then figure out what's the the minimum amount of hours you can spend on number two, three, four, and five that will prevent them from dropping. So maintaining them. Your goal for those four are maintenance and then spend every other waking hour on the top one. Mm. That's the only way you're actually going to achieve. You use the, you've told me this concept before as well about um, the three areas of your life and you can't go all in on all of them. So you have obviously your relationships, romantic, platonic. Um, then you have your health and fitness, um, and then you have your business and career. And you're saying you got like the three main pillars of your life, I guess: relationships, health, and business and career. And it's almost like they're the most important things, but you can't go all in on all of them at once. So you've got to keep two at a maintenance and go all in on the other. You can never let the other two drop below maintenance. You always need to keep them at that standard. But you just got to recognize that you can't go all in on your health, your relationships, and your business all at once because that's not how all in works. And the beauty of it is when you figure out this whole expectation mindset is my I don't have an expectation of meeting my wife tomorrow. Mm. I don't have an expectation of having a ripped six-pack. Of course I don't. Because I've already acknowledged that I'm at a maintenance phase on both of those two categories. 
I like business is a different ball game. Like I'm going hard at that. Does that make sense? And so I'm not, not stressing over downsides of things that aren't my focus. Yeah. I, but what I've found as well is if the health side of your life is a hobby of yours, you can find a bit of a balance. Yours is fully different because you've built this social platform around you. And so effectively, when my business is so like, part of let's it. just say I'm in e-com and I'm finding a, and I found a product and I'm, I'm, I'm working on um, designing that product and I'm working with suppliers and I'm like, no, I want this change, this color. I want this, this to be curved, not cornered. That's me working on my product and my business. You going to the, to the gym and doing, um, doing like a core workout is the same as that because yeah. you're, you're that product. I'm, I'm the product. So for, you're, in a nuanced, the, you're in a nuanced situation. Yeah. Yeah. Where, where I... My, my business got nothing to do with my body. 100%. However, you do need a base level where people go, he respects himself. Yeah. 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 And, and that's the whole thing is like, I can't take someone that's overweight serious. No. Respectfully. No, but it, it's disrespectful. It comes back to... <laughs> If I'm fit and healthy and on my Instagram, people are seeing that I'm disciplined. Business people specifically are seeing that I'm disciplined. Disciplined. They're seeing that I'm, I'm, um, I'm structured. I've got the right character. It's the same thing. If somebody is morbidly obese, you know that they're not disciplined. You know that they're not operating at their highest capacity because they can't be. They can't. And so it's a red flag to go into business with that person. Yeah. And the they've got to... Like if they don't understand that, there's another red flag in them because the priorities in their life are completely skewed. Like their health needs to be important. They're not going to be on this planet. F- like you know what I mean? Yeah. Like they got they got to be healthy. They got to put their they've got to look after their body. And for me, because because it's such a big priority in my life, and I know the characteristics that I've earned from dedicating a certain period of my life to high level sports and fitness and and health. I know the characteristics I've developed from that are really strong characteristics in which I look at them and say, you probably don't have those characteristics because of your body. And that's something that I can judge off them straight away. And people can't get mad at me for that because that like, that's a very valid thing. This is, we've been put on this earth. We have the, we are able to look after our body and get in shape. Think about all the people in the world that aren't able to do that. They don't even have clean water. Like, and you can disrespect all of those people by not putting yourself in, in good shape. I think it's it's so important to look after yeah, your health. But it's like if somebody had clinical anxiety, clinical depression, if somebody had was super sick, if somebody was, you know, in bed with cancer, if somebody is morbidly obese, like they're all reasons why you it would impact whether you're going to partnership with them. Like I think people just take obesity and separate as this thing that you can't shame or something, but it's, it's just like any other illness. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Would you go into a business who's with somebody who's in bed with cancer? No, because they can't operate efficiently yeah. and properly. Yeah. It's the and same it's no, thing, dis- it's like, no like, it's like, it's not like disrespect to the person in, in bed with cancer. It's just the common sense in terms of going into business with them. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. Are you are you gonna um, buy a business that's not profitable? No, like yeah. I don't know. It's just you yeah. got to look at that stuff objectively and not get yeah. too emotional about it. Yeah, there's too many people these days that um, that crack the shits and get over emotional about simple things. Yeah, I think it's I think it's like 
like thinking about the amount of energy that that's exerting from you by being emotional as well. Like understanding the impact it's making on you being emotional about that thing when you can't even control it. Mm. It's like focusing on things that you can't control are going to drain away all of your energy. It's like, think about if you've got like a battery, you've got a battery that is full when you wake up in the morning and throughout the day, all the different activities are exerting that battery. It's like when you're spending time worrying about things that you can't control, you're exerting that battery. But what do you mean though? Like around the people who are energy. sick? I'm not, no, I'm talking about just your energy focusing on, just I'm not general. talking about like yeah. the people that are sick. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking about people that, that are literally worrying about all the little things. Oh, and right, 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 yeah. Yeah. I'm also yes. saying like people that are worried about things that they can't control and people that yeah. are, that are complaining about different things in their life that they can't even control. Yeah. It's like they're exerting their mental battery throughout the day. Yeah on things that aren't going to move the needle, things that aren't going to better themselves. And then they get to the end of the day and feel extremely drained yet haven't done yeah. anything. Yeah. I think, um, I think people who um, voice complaints mistake that for it being productive in some way. It's kind of like- Use it as a tool for procrastination. Well, they think that they think that they're doing something. Get a kick out of it. Yeah. Yeah. When, if you're not making genuine impact- whether it's you've got an environmental problem, yeah. whether you've, it's whatever political argument it is, like shouting out from a rooftop complaining is never going to push anything in the direction that you want it to go. Yeah, yeah, exactly right. I've got a, I, just before we hopped on this show, I put a little thing on my Instagram to ask some questions and I've actually got a, a bunch of questions here. Um, and there was one that came in straight away, which I, I want to ask you. So a guy named Dev, he said, how do you use a setback to an advantage towards your future goals? That's interesting. What are your thoughts on, on using setbacks as fuel to help achieve your future goals? It's pretty broad. Yeah, it's quite, it, is quite, it is quite broad. But I think for me, what comes to mind straight away is the setback is what you can use to compare the, the good time to. And it's also a setback you can use when you're going through a challenging time again. You can realize that if I quit, I might, I'm going to go back into like something. So when you take a job, for example, and you're in a job like that entrepreneurial journey that we talk about and you go, and you go, you're in a job and you're starting business, it gets really challenging and all you're craving is that little bit of security. So then um, so then you go, oh, I'm going to go get a job. So you leave the business and you start a job and then you're in that honeymoon phase, you're learning a bunch, it's fine and then you hit a wall in that job where you go, I can't think of anything worse to do and all you're thinking about is how you can make enough money to leave the job and start your own business. And you go through this really hectic time and it can feel like a bit of a setback going into that job. But then when you go into the business after and you go through a challenging time, you can then refer back to the job and go, well, the alternative is, is a job, which doesn't work for me. So I'm going to keep pushing forward. So when I think of like, how do I use a setback to an, as an advantage towards my future goals, I look at it and go, I'm using this as a comparison to the time I'm going through. So when I go through a challenging time, I look back and know that a I've either made it, I've overcame something in the past, or it's something I don't want to go back to. 
So I'm kind of using that as fuel in a sense. Yep. I also think that going like a step in advance to that, one of the most fundamental ways we're taught to sell is to connect the prospect with an opportunity or a fear. But it's also that same fundamental way of thinking is how we sell ourselves on something. We, as humans, we run towards pleasure or away from pain. It's the exact same methodology. And it just makes sense to me because we've both got our sales background, right? And if you're struggling to use a set, to be motivated after a setback, all it just says is you haven't got a strong enough connection with A, something that you want, or B, something that you don't want. away from, yeah. Like, I can't even connect with that because I'm like, like objectively thinking, if, if something is a setback, like we said before, you just get back up and go again. Keep going, yeah. Because I'm, I've got str- such a strong connection with what I want and what I don't want. Yeah. So if for that person, I would take a whole step back and have a think about what I want and what I don't want. I say this, I've said this so many times, the three questions to ask yourself is, who do I want to be? And who do I not want to be? What do I want to be doing? And what do I not want to be doing? And what do I want to have? And what do I not want to have? If you go find a quiet area with a notebook and a pen and you spend 45 minutes actually exploring those questions with no distractions, you'll be and very then where surprised. where am I now as well is the, the, the last one. So like the, what do I have? What do I not want to have? Uh, what do I, what, wait, you were saying, what do I it's want? It's B do have yeah, basically. Yeah. 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 yeah it's powerful. Yeah, yeah uh, it look. It's very. It was very broad question. There's no, but that's. It's sometimes I think that's what that's what the outcome is. It's going back and looking at those, looking at it more fundamentally. And I guess yeah, knowing that a setback is just a little hurdle in the road. And if you've got a destination where you want to get to, a set, set, the setbacks are inevitable. It's almost like you're just saying, oh, that's just part of the journey. Yeah. And so it's like, fail fast, fail forward. Yeah, fail fast, fail forward. This is an interesting question. Do you believe external growth, followers, etc., follows from internal growth, self self growth? Does external growth you. follows from internal growth? That's really interesting, and and I'm going to answer this one because obviously it's probably more relevant to me. Um, it could also be flipped, and it would be an interesting question too. Yeah, yeah. Internal growth comes from external growth. I would say that, do I believe external growth follows from internal growth? External growth only comes if you are trying as well. How about we define them both first? So what is external growth? Are we talking followers? Well, that's what she, that's what they've said. So they said, he said, he said followers, um, yeah, he says external growth in brackets followers, etc., okay. follows from internal growth in brackets self. Okay. And so I'm gonna say if you're if you're so external growth, if you're being your true authentic self online, if you're being your true authentic self online, as you are growing ex- internally you will grow externally because if you're being really authentic and you're sharing your moments and your lessons as they come, 
people will connect with that because they'll feel it as well, I find. When I look at my growth, I go, my content has pivoted based on my life and my life's changed a lot over the past 12 months. And so all the content's changed based on what's happening in my life. I went through a breakup. I start posting about relationships. It's fresh for me. People felt that. And during that process, I'm growing. And what I found was as well is the more I was posting externally and growing, I'm posting more of my lessons, meaning I'm re-instilling the lessons into me because I have to film that video, however many takes it might take, edit that video, listen to it over and over again. And then once it's out and it starts blowing up, I'm more inclined to listen to it over and over again. So that lesson that I'm posting in that video is instilled into my brain because of the reps it's been listened. So I go, it's a bit of a, it, it happens both at both through if you're your true authentic self you and you're documenting it consistently you will grow and by doing so you'll reinstill those lessons kind of like you're journaling mm. but you're filming filming yourself in front of a camera and then you're listening to that it's almost like the best way to put it is it's like you're journaling on a page and then you, after you wrote write that thing, you read it, say, 30 times. You're going to probably remember that passage and what yep. you wrote. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think, um, I think authentic conviction sells. So I think fundamentally, if you are who you say you are online, which means, which is kind of like, what, is, what was it, the question? If you, grow, if, if you grow yourself, does your account grow? Do you believe external growth, followers, etc.? comes from internal follows growth. from internal growth yeah so i guess it's it's a bit it depends on how we define internal growth but let's just say you're confident in yourself and you are who you say you are that means you're going to be more you're going to be able to you're going to have more authentic conviction in the message that you're portraying on social media so i would say and through that the growth will come yeah but then i would also say objectively speaking growth comes from probably content volume content quality credibility and then ideally money yeah, so, yeah. like, objectively speaking, that's what where where account growth comes from. Yeah. But yes, you need to be it, you need to be have authentic conviction. Being authentic will increase the quality of the content. So, if yeah. you combine the authenticity with filming content regularly, yeah. um, and adapting to algorithmic things on the platforms and um, doing certain things like trending audios and stuff, if you combine. If you can, which all of those things, I guess, make a quality piece of content, being your true authentic self is what is going to basically, it's almost like you've got a, you've got a, you've got the algorithm and you've got all the things you need to do. All the content specialists will say this, all the things you need to do to go viral is like all the different trends, all the different audios, the different topics that are relatable, that are shareable. If you've got all of those things, it's almost like there's a padlock to make all of those, to release all of those things and make it work. And the thing that unlocks the padlock is the authenticity because you can have all of that. But if you're not authentic, authentic people aren't going to feel it. They're not going to relate to it as much. They're not going to, if it's not, you in business if you're posting business content if it's just a carbon copy of someone else they're gonna it's not gonna then you're not gonna make them feel special because they've heard it so you've got all the characteristics that combine a good piece of content but it's locked up by your authenticity so if you don't be authentic it's not gonna go viral 
Yeah, I, I agree. I also think that people should, like particularly the person asking this question, should really know exactly what they want from social media. Well, actually the person asking the question um, has his own mental health um, I, I, I just see his name and his, his profile picture. He's got his own podcast and mental health um, right. sort of thing, sort of like, yeah. Because yeah. what I think for young people specifically, because most people on social media are really pioneering social media or the younger demo, I think that people shouldn't be afraid of having a five to 10 year outlook with their social media. Mm. It's like, start now, but don't, don't be disappointed if you yeah. Don't be disappointed if you don't have a hundred k next week or next month or next year. It's like it can be hard though when they see other people do it so so like so yeah. like quickly as well. And I also don't think that I think people should go into social media without the goal to monetize it for a few years. Yeah, I think you should only give, and if you're not going to monetize it, then you don't get too addicted to the follower growth. Yeah, but also if you take it seriously, you most certainly can monetize it quickly. Yeah. I, I, and ethically, you can. Yeah, no, I'm not 100%. saying you can't, but I, I think people... Removing expectation, but I also think being able to, if you, if you want, recognizing that if you want to, you can, and if you went all in, you can easily, like easily but if you're just fluffing around on the side and it's like more of a documentation and you want to be able to document a journey then you like it just depends on what your priorities are it for does. It. yeah it because totally like does. when you when you think about it like our priorities on social media are, are, are different mm. and mine is it's a career now like that's my job and so you go it was it wasn't six months ago and so you look at it and go, okay, it has happened quick and I have had to monetize it so I can keep a roof over my head, um, in which case is a positive thing. But that was my intention when it started blowing up because that's what I wanted to do. And that was my calling. Yeah. That's what I wanted. I guess like for people who are building a, a personal brand in alignment with their existing career, it's like social media is a piece of technology that's going to exist the rest of our lives it's going yeah. to evolve of course but it's going to be there in 5 10 15 years and i think there's just value if people expand that horizon a little bit and go what does this look like if i'm doing it for 10 years as opposed to i'm going to do a 90 90 day stint and see how i go yeah yeah because i think the way you approach it just Fully changes. Because then also if you do a 90-day stint and don't get the results, you just drop off. Exactly. And there's no value in doing that. It'd be, like, it'd be like saying, I'm going to go and take my health and fitness seriously for 90 days. Mm. It's like you've got to do that forever. And I think that everyone should life. be building a, a personal brand to some capacity. It doesn't have to be full on, but should have some sort of brand be building it to some capacity. And I think that every single person who doesn't do that are going to get to a point in their career, whether it's in three, five, 10 or 15 years, and they're going to sit there and go, wow, I wish I started in 2023. Yeah, yeah. I think I, everyone, yeah, in, everyone. If I, like 100%, in two years time, if I didn't start this a few a few months ago, just putting more content out, I guarantee you in two years, I would go, damn, I would have started in 2024 and in 2025, I would have wished that I started in 2023. And, and also for everyone that's, maybe introverted, hates being on the camera, get used to it. Like, like it's, it's 
a very, very transferable skill because it's just confidence as well. And, you know, different ways to become more confident is through doing different things like sales jobs and things of that nature. When you can increase your communication skills, so many other things fall into line. Yep. They, they, they really do. And you might be sitting here listening to this and going, I, I couldn't fathom getting in front of a camera. That seems like that makes me go in my shell. I feel disgusting. Like start small. Challenge yourself. Try and film a video of you in your room by yourself in front of the camera every day. Try and film just one little video every day. I guarantee you at the end of 30 days, you'll be better. You'll be a little bit better. If you do it every day, you'll be a little bit better. And guess what? You're not scared of the fear of failure. You don't have a fear of failure. You have a fear of what other people are going to think of you if you fail. Hence why when you're in a video game, you're not scared of dying because no one's watching. Like you're not scared of dying because no one's watching. So if you're filming it by yourself, you're still getting better. You, you honestly are. But if you really want to take it to the next level, you put it in front of people because then you'll actually care more about it and you'll, and you'll start to improve. But I always even just say this, like when we look back at all the jobs that we've gotten and the video resumes I've sent and you look and go, every single video resume I send to a different job got better. And the only thing in between the two video resumes was a sales job. Talking on the phones, going out in person, whatever it may be. All I did was I got the reps in in sales and communication. And all of a sudden, my ability to speak in front of a camera in a video resume got dramatically better. Like so much better. We've like yeah. seen so many. And so, you, yeah, so you go like enhance your communication skills and everything else starts to improve. Yeah. Hundred percent. So Maddie Purcell, he has an interesting frame for it, which I think can help with people's mindset around it. Which is, so in like any story, there's, I don't know it in depthly, but there's basically a, it's called the hero's journey, mm. and it's a framework on how every story, whether it's a movie, a narrative, a book, whatever, it's is, a Nike tick, is it? Is it? Um, uh, yeah, maybe, okay. maybe. Um, and anyway, at the beginning of, of the hero's journey, there's obviously a hero and there's a guide. So like any movie you think about, there's typically a hero and there's a guide, the, the person who guides the, the, um, the central character on the journey. Mm. And with social media, people confuse themselves and think that they're the hero of their social media account. When actually, um, what Maddie says is he says, your audience is the hero. hero. You're the guide. Mm. And when you frame up that mentality, what 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 changes then is you go, it's not about me, it's about them. Mm. And you go, whatever I'm saying, even if I'm just documenting my existing career, I'm contributing this documentation to inspire or help or uplift somebody else or give them confidence that they can do something similar or just mm. make them feel like they're on on a shared journey with me. And then you go, hang so on, interesting. there's people that are actually getting value from what I'm saying who probably don't even give a fuck what my face looks like. They don't, they don't care but by at doing all. So, but by doing so, they relate to you and they know, they know it came out of your mouth. And yeah. so it's like a, they, they like you as a char your character. You yeah, it's like, person. it'd be like, 
it'd be like if you go and to go to go give food to the homeless you're helping them you're not worried about you like get out of your own way and help them Mm. you could look at it the same way in social media it's like get out of your own way and help help people if the content is good put it out there it doesn't matter if you haven't shaved your face or cut your hair put it out there because you're still going to get it's going to get better with some degree of standards with with some degree of oh yeah but like you're going to look at it and go anything that i put out today i know that i'm going to look back in a year and probably not like because i would have grown and so being able to go like where where do you draw the line but also recognizing and this is one thing that that my mentor lewis mocker said and i've helped so many people by saying this one line and I said it to you in the car last night. I said, you don't need to be an expert in what you're doing. You just need to be three steps ahead of the people that you're teaching. And that removes this credibility doubt that you have in your mind where you go, I'm not credible to teach this thing. When you go, well, actually, there are people that really look up to me that are just the three steps behind and they know that, that, that I used to be where they are and they want to know how I got to where I am now. And so recognizing that, a couple of things to this is you're going to be able to help people even though you might not be the most successful person. And the next thing to that is you're going to be able to help people even more than the really successful people because the people that you're helping can actually relate to you. You're in arm's distance from them. You're not all the way up on this pedestal. And so it's very powerful when you're only three steps ahead because they can actually feel like they can reach you. It's attainable. What you have is attainable. And that ties in perfectly to, to recognizing that you can say the same thing out of your mouth that someone else says, but you might hit a completely different audience because you're relating to a different audience. There might be someone that's 50 that says the exact same words. They take a video of mine and say the exact same word same message but out of their mouth attracts a completely different audience and so recognizing that you're unique in the sense that you're going to relate to certain people and you're going to be arm distance away from certain people and that's going to be a power to you and you are going to relate to someone there's going to be someone there that you're going to relate to you're going to be able to bring value to so when you're doubting yourself about your credibility and who the hell is going to listen to me you go, realize that there is people that are going to listen to you. There's going to be a whole bunch of crew that are a few steps behind you in which you can bring value to. So remove your ego, remove all the shit that's coming on in your mind about I can't post content because of this. Remove your your doubts and limiting beliefs that you have and realize that you're doing a disservice to the world for not posting. Just put it out there. Because not only are you going to better yourself, but there is, I guarantee you, there's people that are going to relate to you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I'm... Um, and your future self will thank you as well. That's how all I'll close off with that. Yeah. It, it's hard. Like, a, a lot of people, especially if they're in jobs, like, you know, an entrepreneur is somebody with entrepreneurial yeah. characteristics inside an organization. And there's so many people I follow. I follow the... um the head of marketing for Diary of a CEO with Stephen Bartlett. And I follow her. She's got like 20K followers or whatever. And she just talks about what she does every day with her role. She talks about the podcast, the marketing, and she's fascinating. And she's not an entrepreneur. She's she's not a business owner. Um, But obviously she's been in an environment which has supported her to do this. But there's so many people that 
do random stuff. There'd be engineers, there'd be lawyers. I'd be fascinated to to see the ins and outs of what a commercial lawyer does every day. It'd be fascinating to me. Politicians, and I know there's some industries which you do have to be, you have to have a um, be a little bit careful with what you're sharing. But if you're like, like for example, property is hard because sometimes you can't share the exact deal that you're working on because you don't want the competition. But it is hard when you've got coworkers, mm. and it is hard when you've got teammates. It is hard when you've got classmates to put yourself out there. Yeah, it doesn't always have to be professional stuff you're documenting though. It could be certain things that are in your yeah. life that you're interested in as well. It's just like, I just think there's value in getting something out of there. I really do. And and a lot of the time, people want to do it. They've just got some limiting beliefs. Like they, they really do deep down. You, th- you, you can unpack it and people do really feel like they want to. It's not always a chore for everyone. I think... Um I think why some people don't do social media is because they can't handle the anxiety of what they think people think about them. Yeah. Well, that's what I said just before. It's like you don't have the fear of failure. It's what other people think. You have the fear of what other people think of you if you fail. It's the same. It's like people's opinions is is the thief of of, of a lot of the things that you want in your life because you're not – like it's that whole thing. When you're by yourself, you don't care what happens. But everyone's watching. So when you're in the in the limelight is when is when you start to get worried. Happens so much. Even in my circle now, there's people in 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 the friend group that see me, Jake and Alfie posting videos every day and they really want to do it. And they don't like their job. They're over it. They want to get out. Mm. And they see us being able to make a career out of this thing. And deep down they want to do the same. It comes out all the time. But then when we get to the bottom of it, it's, it's what, why, like, who's going to watch me? Like, why would I do this? And it's like, if I had that same limiting belief that you had, I wouldn't be where I am today. And you look at me and you want aspects of this life. Now you, you've, you've voiced it, you live around it, you want it. And I wouldn't have been able to have this, this environment inspire you to do the same. If I had that limiting belief so it's honestly a snowball effect that you're stopping as well by having that limiting belief. Because if I had the limiting belief and never started posting, think about all the people. I mean, I don't even know if, if a level of, of your, you were inspired by, by me, but I know certainly other people were. They see some traction and they see me posting. They see some results. They're inspired to do the same and post some content. If I didn't do that, I wouldn't have inspired all of those people to start. And all of those people are going to inspire certain people to start. Yeah, for sure. And it's like normalizing it and making it seem like a good thing to be doing and having a positive environment around people doing it and supporting everyone that's giving it a crack is really important because the biggest thing that stops people from doing it is the judgment. So by judging someone giving it a crack, you're literally doing the one thing that sto- is is stopping them from doing it, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah. To to pivot slightly, I um I wanted to to tap uh, into your past a little bit. Do you do you know have you reflected on was there ever a turning point where entrepreneurialism became a pathway or a turning point even maybe before that before we met where you were like I can't go the mainstream option I can't do what everyone else is doing and do you think like 
you know, we were talking about is entrepreneurialism nature or nurture? Like, what do you think about that specifically in your context? Yeah, there's the first thing that comes to mind is, is the value that certain friends in my life have given me. Well, I was talking about it at the, at the dinner table the other day with my, with my dad and, and, and the crew there. And to answer your question shortly and then uh, to sh- in a short form and then I'll expand from it, I think it's based on your exposure in life and your experience. I think a, a little aspect of it is born with. There's a little... Percentage. Like a little percentage of it. What percentage? For you? I would say for me, 10%. Okay. Because I can't pinpoint that because no one in my family has anything that yeah, I You're I a first have. generation entrepreneur. Exactly right. So how I, it'd be silly for me to say that it was born. I had this innate burn in me from a young age, which it's right, but I think... It's not entrepreneurialism. I think it's certain characteristics that I've had from a very young age and that fits the criteria of being an entrepreneur. It's kind of like entrepreneurial characteristics that, like the characteristics of an entrepreneur. Was there anything that you like wanted to be when you were, let's just say, Older than ten, yeah. So I just not wanted like to be a fireman. A f- I just wanted to be. A f- I just wanted to be a footy player. <laughs> right. I just wanted. So to there play was never footy. any. Was there anything else ever? I didn't want to be like a school? ninja turtle or something. like Never no, like. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I, what I was just going to tie into. I just want to quickly talk about this friends thing that okay. I, I think is really interesting. Is I got asked a question by my dad's partner. Like, do you? think you learnt a lot from some of the old friends that you're not friends with anymore and I was like they've shaped me into who I am today and I'll, I'll name drop in this this is fine because it's all positive right um, but when you look at the progression I've changed friend groups so many times so many times like ridiculous when you think about it okay I moved to the Gold Coast and I started hanging out with Max he Gave me humor. He made me a funny person. Simply put, I was funny beforehand, but he made me really funny because he was just hilarious and I it rubbed off on me, but to the point where it was too extreme. <laughs> and so you look at it and go, but now I have a humor aspect of my character, of my, of my character that I, that I love. I think it's a massive aspect of my life, a massive asset, sorry, to my life. That came from him. We not, might not be friends now and I, we parted ways, but I'm forever grateful for that person in my life. And it's like, yeah, he might not have been a positive influence, but bloody hell, it, he was when you actually think about it. <laughs> when I was maybe moving into new friends, I did, maybe didn't think so, but when I reflect on it, it was massive. It was huge. And then I started hanging out with Harry. Harry exposed me to what I wanted, wealth. That was the first time I ever saw wealth and experienced extreme wealth and abundance. And so when I look at him and his family, he's, they're the reason I had a burning desire to achieve greatness and more because I saw the things that they had in their life and I wanted it. <laughs> and so then you go, admittedly, I didn't know how I wanted it, and how to get there, but I wanted it. I didn't want the average life. And 
hence why I kept living at his house as opposed to mine. And I would stay there for months on end, go to school from there and everything like this. But then I wasn't quite sure on how to get there and what that clarity was. And I was getting pushed in all different directions from my parents and my friends at school. And I was lost in grade 12 and I didn't know what to do, but I knew I didn't want an ordinary life. I knew I wasn't going to go to uni. My dad tried sending me to some private school so I could focus more because he kept getting calls from my teachers. Um, yeah, I was a, I was a run amok at school. I, he kept getting calls saying Chris needs to smart his act up and stuff. What school did he try and send you to? He tried sending me to like um, Aquinas and like some like uh, like Emmanuel and those schools. Yeah, he wanted me to like, he wanted to pay for like a higher education, and I said no. There's no no. I don't want you to. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to listen any more at that school than at this one. That's literally what I said to him. I was like, don't waste your money on it. That's what I said, um, and. And, um, and yeah, he wanted me to do that for grade 11 and 12. But then in grade 11, I was going to move to Helensville to play footy more. I'm so glad I didn't. But, um, Why didn't you in the end? Because I was I just get, about to ask you that. Because I was going to go to Helensville. Um, I didn't get accepted. I did not get, because I was out of the capture zone or whatever. And I didn't get accepted because um, I was out of it. And they didn't approve me for the AFL scholarship, which was absurd. Because like I was like the captain of the Suns at the time, <laughs> like and so which was which was interesting. But yeah, so I didn't get accepted, so I didn't go. But I literally had all the forms signed out. I told everyone in my school friends I was leaving. Like I was literally, it was. I thought I was like the footy coach at Helensvale wanted me there, so I was. I thought it was like basically guaranteed that I was mm. I was moving to Helensvale. Which is just wild. So who knows where I would have been if I had have done that? Who knows? And then I met you, and you were the gap between knowing I knew what I wanted and the life I wanted to live, but I didn't really know the vehicles to get there. And then you exposed me to certain things, and so like you, me, in, you and me started getting close with you. You can't even explain the impact it made. Like I can, I can quantify the the ones with Max and with Harry, but yours was like quite literally a life changing meet. You know what I mean? And, and you also taught me how to be more professional. So you brought that really funny character and kind of brought me down a little bit. So then I had the ability to hop in and out of, of things, which I did, but I just was more mature in terms of being able to communicate in different ways. And then the sales jobs and all that did the same and stuff. And so when you actually, when you, when you asked me about like, like, do you think it's nature or nurture? I think it's nurtured 100% because it's all based on your, your reality is based off your experiences. And so that's why when you meet a fat kid and his parents are probably fat, you go, I can't blame him. Like it's literally how he's been brought up. It's not his fault. Like it's, it's, it's literally, he's been nurtured into this life and also lack of, he can't just go and live his own life. It's like he's under his parents' roof. There's chocolate in the fridge and that's it. And you have casserole for dinner. Of course he's fat. And so you can't blame those people. Um, but like once they're exposed to something newer, they have the opportunity to be able to take up that new information and change their life. Whether they do it or not is one thing. And I think an amazing part about living in 2023 is that you can be exposed to more people through social media. Yeah. Like the first person that came to mind was Goggins. 
for anyone like who was suffering from obesity issues, no one could argue that Goggin's story wouldn't be inspiring. Now you don't have to become a Navy SEAL and a marathon runner, but imagine imagine living 30, 40, 50 years ago when literally the the capacity of who can influence you is your town. Like how nuts is that? Yeah. Whereas now you've you've got the whole internet. Like online mentorship is a thing. It's you don't need wild. to have a two way relationship with with all mentors. Nah. Why? No, no, no. And you can gain inspiration from them. It's it's almost like someone asked me a, a I guess books, autobiographies and books did exist. A lot yeah. of all, all, th- those existed and But connecting with them is a lot harder via words than via video. Yes, of course. And and a massive role for a mentor. In fact, I would argue one of the main roles for a mentor is the inspiration piece. They have what you want in your life. And so being inspired by them because they're not going to implement the stuff. They're going to be there to guide and inspire you. It's funny. Someone actually, um, I'll pull it up. Someone sent me a message asking about mentors. Um, if I can find her, uh, she asked me, she asked me about mentors and she was basically, um, she was basically, yeah, quizzing me on, on, she was about to, yeah, she was basically about to, um, here it is. I found it. So she was asking me, she won an award about becoming a mentor. Like, so she was, no, not becoming a mentor. Basically she had, um, won a rising star award for a country education foundation. And they basically gave her the award included getting her own mentor. So basically in the award, she got access to this mentor to teach her. Right. And I was like red flags instantly because you, a mentor doesn't find Who's you issuing the mentor. Yeah. But it's like you, a mentor has to have what you want in, in your life. And she's basically asking, like she had her first meeting with this mentor. Never. I was like, what's his name? Like, what does he look like? Never even met him. Doesn't know what he looks like. Nothing. She has his first meeting with this mentor. And I just go, nah, that ain't a mentor. That's not a mentor. I don't care what you say. And you find mentors a lot of the time because you've seen something in them that you want. And then your job is to get in front of them in a way that makes them feel interested in you and invested in you so they want to give. And then that's where the mentor bond. But anyway, he was asking for it. She was asking for it. And I said, hey, thank you for your message. Yes, I remember you. We had met before. Good on you for everything you've done so far. You should be so proud. What defines a mentor for me is someone who is helping guide me in the right direction. The main prerequisite, however, is that they have they have to have achieved a life or aspects of their life that I look up to and aspire to have in my life. If part of the award is getting given access to a mentor, who is the mentor? Do they inspire you? Do you actually want to learn from this person? Mentors won't do the work for you. They are supposed to inspire you to achieve what they have and help guide you on how they got there. So once those boxes are ticked and we've deemed that it's an appropriate mentor for you, that's when we can look at how to optimize your relationship with them. (laughs) Is he mentoring you just because it's part of the program or is he mentoring you because he sees something in you that he thinks he can help you with? All my mentors I have found, they haven't found me. I I saw things in people that I wanted, so I figured out ways to get in front of them. 
And I think that's really interesting because this whole thing around mentor and like having a mentor in your life to help guide you. It's like, there's no point them guiding you if they don't have what you want. So a lot of the time you've got to find them. You've got to be in search for mentors and people that are going to inspire you, have things that you want. And then off the back of that, after you've deemed them to be a good person to mentor you, that's when you get creative and figure out the best ways to optimize the mentorship and, and get in front of them and stuff. What are mm-hmm. your thoughts on that? Yeah. I, I remember, you know, when I was younger, I used to always, I was always caught up in this concept of trying to bring value. I was like really conscious that mm. they're not going to invest in a relationship with me if I can't yeah, e- bring ways, equal yeah. or some degree of value as to the value that they're bringing me. And you know, I like I've actually got voice. So I used to send, um, I used to send voice messages, video messages, didn't you? Yeah, video. But even before that, voice messages. But what I actually record on the voice memo app and then send it to them as a file. Especially really? if they don't have Apple, it's a hack. If you're sending a prospect a voice message and they've got a Samsung, you just send them the file of the voice memo. But anyway, I used <laughs> to do that on the voice memo. That's the, every day. Yeah. Um, and anyway, the point is I now have all the voice memos and I was actually listening to some the other day and I was I was raveling on about value and I was actually saying that like, hey, I want to give value to you. And it's, if you're an esteemed person and there's a young young guy who wants to build a relationship with you and they keep coming to you saying, how can I bring value to you? Like, it's like- They got to think. They got to think like, and, you know, anything that you can probably do, they can probably pay someone to do anyway. Um, and you know, require less value. time from them. Like, And so, um, and people always ask, how do you find mentors? And I, I think the, the simplest way to do it is you just say recent and frequent until an opportunity pops up and as quick as you possibly can build some way to come across as credible. But give them a reason to be interested in you, invested into you. Yeah. It's got to be something unique. Yeah. Because also a mentor probably has a lot of eyes on them and they're, you're not the only one that's trying to meet with them and trying to like have them be by your side. So what are you doing to stand out? Like what's purple cow about you? Yeah, I think but be purple cow, be recent and frequent and be prepared to do that for 10 years before you get any attention from them. And if you and do if it that, comes earlier, then great. Yeah, and do it with 50 people at once. And not know when you're going to need the person, but know that they could come in handy. Exactly. Like hopefully, hopefully. Give you know, without expecting. If you go, time, I'm going to be recent frequent and I'm going to be purple cow. I'm going to be recent frequent by executing purple cow ways of doing things. And I'm going to do this for 10 years with 50 people. Maybe with two or three of them, they will blossom. That relationship will blossom in three years. That will be a really good outcome. There's, you know, some of our mentors we've only, like, it depends what, how do you define a mentor? Let's just say you define them by being comfort, comfortable to, at any time of the day, just give them a buzz for a five minute chat on the phone. Let's say that we're defining a mentor as that, like a proper mentor, not like an online mentor. Let's say a proper mentor is somebody you can give them a buzz and chat on the phone for five minutes anytime. Mm. There's certain people that I would consider mentors that I've only just been able to do that with in the last few months. And I've, I've met them six years six ago. Six years ago. And I've been recent and frequent and, and a 100% true fan. Tried and attempted to go to every event they ran, comment on every single post that they do. And 
it's been six years. Like think about how many jabs have gone in until I've been able to, you know, throw a hook in. Like people need to just get out of the way of themselves and not expect things to happen next year. Yeah, and not rely on them has been a really powerful yeah. lesson as well. Being able not to... Wait, yeah, don't wait for them to be the Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, and just like go on your own path and they're a bonus. It comes back to that whole thing we spoke about at the start of this conversation. But like quite literally, we've been burnt too many times by like relying on our mentors or people, right? Like going like, oh yeah, like... This, he'll be able to help me do this, so I'll hang on until we do till I till this happens or or X, Y, and Z. It's like no, just get on your own path, do everything, and they become a bonus. And by doing so as well, they're more interested in you because they know that you're not relying on them, and you're still moving mountains and giving it a crack by yourself and alone. Mm-hmm. And they know that when it comes to them wanting to go into business with you or do something, they know that you're sufficient by yourself as well. They know that you can do it. They know you've gained all this experience by yourself. And so by doing so, they're going to be more interested in you. So it's almost like comes, and I feel like a lot of things, this happens, but it comes down to the, your ability to keep leveling up yourself in the business arena, in personally, your emotional intelligence, like, to be able to level up all these areas of your life is going to attract more people. And the younger you do it, age is at your advantage as well, to be honest. It's like for everyone that's young, realize that that age is not a disadvantage, it's an advantage. Huge advantage. Yeah. Yeah, using the age and the naivety as an advantage as opposed to thinking that you're not credible enough to do anything because of it. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. I... um. I just think for just speaking to younger people or people earlier on in their journey specifically, I think step one, if you want a better life, figure out what your pleasure or pain is. Mm. Figure out what you're working towards or what, what you're working from. Just figure that out. And then I was thinking about it the other day. I think the first thing, the, the, the two avenues I think you could go in is you can either go find a great company to work for on the side, do a side hustle, buy a course in three or four different business models that we talk about mm-hmm. and go down that way. If, you, if you're a bit more, you want a bit more security and you're tapping into entrepreneurialism, but you want to hold a bit of security, go that way. The other way to do it, which would be more the Hormozy style, is figure out, uh, my whole stance on this has changed. I, I think in terms of expenses, I think at, at, to a degree it is easier to reduce expenses than to increase income early on. I think that- Do you think it's easier to, inc- to reduce expenses? To a degree here. I mean, how are we defining this explicitly? What What- I, th- I, I think to the a best, baseline, I, I think the best, I think the best position to get to is to find a way to make 50 grand a year and that be enough and live off 50 grand a year. Like do your best to live off 800 bucks a week and it's possible. I can't do it. Oh, I, it's possible. We've tried. It's uh, 800 unless, to 1,000 bucks a week. Unless my rent's being supplemented. That's tough. Well, 
I don't think we've been able to do that since Bondi days, since like the 2020. 800? 800, 1,000 bucks, 50 grand a year. I I think what you should try and do is figure out how to make that in as little amount of time as possible. And to free up the rest of the time. And then open up a 40-hour window a week. To, and I to think work the requirement businesses. is you need to be able to make that as a priority or else all your creativity is stripped away because then you don't know how you're paying rent and that's a different type of stress. Yeah, it's like if you're starting a business and needing to take money out of it straight away, it's going to be a lot, it's going to be different. Yeah. Also, you start, you start building businesses not by design and... It's like if you build if, if you build a city and you build it really small and you add to it and you add to it and you add to it and you add to it, the town planning structure of it is like roundabout, 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 roundabout. There's no like proper sorry, it's traffic light, traffic light, traffic light, traffic light, traffic light. There's no like planning. Like the that's that's how traffic jams are formed and how this it's like this there's they've done all these studies on this. Like Gold Coast. Gold Coast started small and then they and they slowly expanded it. Whereas cities like Sydney and Melbourne were like designed because they were big from the get-go. And I think a lot of the time businesses, if you don't need to be taking money straight out of them, you can build them by design because you're not, like you're not pulling everything out of it as opposed to building it as this little thing, taking money out of it and just expanding, expanding like this and this and this and this. And it's not by design from the get-go. You haven't, you like going brick by brick as opposed to designing the entire house with an architect and then beginning. Mm. Mm, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting study. I haven't I haven't heard of that before. Yeah. 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 But uh, yeah. Yeah. Should we answer another question? I Go think there it. might be another one here. Um. What's one of the things that motivate you through the hard times? I mean, again, that just comes down to literally. That comes down to literally the pain or the pleasure, and that probably probably to be honest, the the place you're trying to get to and asking yourself the question, where am I now and where do I want to be? And if there's a gap between the two, then you just got to keep going. It's almost like that when you did that post of the, who do I want to be? Who do I not want to be? And who am I now? And then the the three different things, whenever you're lacking motivation, ask yourself those three, three series of questions. And it just makes you realize that I'm not where I need to be yet, mate. Like motivation or not, I got to keep going, kick it in. And also just not relying on that motivation. And that's when discipline has to kick in. It's funny that um, the way of describing the discipline, um, like like discipline is the greatest form of self-love. Discipline is resisting those short-term pleasures in favor of something greater in a sense. It's like, like it's, it's, yeah, it's basically loving yourself enough and playing the long game. And that's what discipline, it it's really is. It's like being able to resist those short-term pleasures in favor of something greater and being able to keep going when the motivation isn't there. Yeah, like um, doing what you're supposed to, you're not doing what you want to do. Yeah. It's the same thing worded differently. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. No, it's, um, it's really interesting. I'm not sure, like... It's it's so funny the the journey that we've been on, and I want to talk about business. Um, more specifically, like we've gone through a few businesses now. We're actually just closing down one of the businesses that we've been spending the last twelve months going all in on. Like, do you think 
like it's it's almost like a little a little hurdle like uh, it's obviously like it sucks to have seen that it doesn't work out but we've got to slap the leg take the lessons and move forward how do you feel like mentally each business we've gone through like how how do you feel mentally when packing up the boot hanging up the boots and moving forward like do you think it's getting easier as the failures go on or do you think they're equally as hard or do you think they're different for me just quickly i think that having something to fall back on makes e- ending one a lot easier yeah i think um every business is nuanced so they're all different every business that you close has got a different balance sheet they've got different liabilities They've got different partners. I think the hardest thing about closing businesses are are dealing with investors or customers. So dealing with the other people involved in the business. Employees. Employees, business partners, investors and customers. I think that's the hardest part about it. One thing that definitely gets easier is because as we get more competent, our confidence in our future gets better or stronger. And so you and I... Um, closing down Upshelf, we're not going, oh, like, uh, are we going to be able to get back up? Is there going to be another business? Are we going to be successful? Is this going to work? It's like, it's going to work. It's just this hasn't been the one. Yeah. The hard part is the people. Whereas with like something like WoWo, we go, fuck, what's next? And we kind of go like, that was a slog. We also had investors on board that we had to have those convos with and stuff. But then also we were we were a bit younger then and we were a lot more lost than we are now. Yet naive. I mean, looking back, um, we were, I remember thinking like, this is going to work. Like, and it's a little bit naive to look back and go, think that first business was going to (laughs) work. Right. And so we were so convinced too, like, Oh, it'd be multi-million dollar business. Like yeah. no brainer. And then like a hose extension breaks off at a, at a client, um, thing. And we've got to like send another person out there to replace it, even though it wasn't even theirs. And it's like, okay, we have 20 clients. What about when there's 500 here? Yeah. Stupid naive. But the lessons from that business was the most insane growth like it was so crazy. Like we were that young. The amount that we learned in say six months, we were doing it for about 10 months. The amount that we learned in those 10 months is more than five uni degrees. Yeah, say. it was a real world MBA. It was our first real, real world MBA. Yeah. And it's almost like when you say to people that are getting into business and they're studying and stuff, you go like, I guarantee you, guarantee that if you give a business a crack, something that's a bit challenging and you go all in on that yourself, um, you're going to learn more than that uni degree. Like you're, you're, you're going to, if you want to become a a businessman, an entrepreneur, the uni degree is not going to cut it. it. The uni degree will teach you how to maybe be a really good employee within a big business, but it's not going to teach you how to be, creative how to troubleshoot how to be nimble how to like yeah basically figure something out when you don't know how to do it it's not going to make you do that i think a lot of people who go to uni would admit that starting a business would teach them more i don't think people go to uni let's just Mm -hmm. talk about the people studying business 
I don't think people go to uni and study business because they think that they're going to learn a whole bunch from it or learn more from starting a business. People go to uni because their parents want them to. The certificate at the end of it too. It's, it's structure, it's security. You, it gives certainty. And that your parents, parents will be proud. Parents will be proud. It, I literally just thought of this just then, but I, I actually think one of the reasons, I was just thinking back to, I asked you the question before about what was the turning point that you kind of knew you wanted to do something else. And I think one of the reasons why I went down this path was like, I'm a stubborn person and I was a stubborn kid who didn't listen to his parents. And I didn't care what my parents said. I wasn't listening to them because they didn't have the things that I wanted. Right? And I was stubborn enough, for good or for bad, to not care about my relationship with them in terms of whether I do what they want me to do or not. Mm. I quit school in the first term of year 12 and moved out of home two weeks later against both my parents' Straight A student. Yeah, my dad studied a PhD. My mum's got a master's degree. They both work for government entities. Like, that's as far on the other end of the spectrum to entrepreneurship as that exists. Yeah. Right? And so... Well, my mum works at, at, worked at a retail store and my dad's a muso. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And you, yeah. you were stubborn to your, to your parents' advice as well. It's absurdly. But do you remember... The convo, this was, you probably won't ever, I, I won't ever forget this. So, 2020, March, girlfriend had broken up with me, um, footy was postponed, and uh, I'd just been let, made redundant for my job. And we were on the phone to Sammy, and, and, and anyway, he was living in Sydney at the time, and he's like, well, mate, do you want to just move to, move to Sydney? Come, come live with me in Sydney. The whole world was going into a lockdown. And anyway, fast forward the story. I've told it a hundred times, so I'm not going to explain it again. But but fast forward the story, I end up moving and we had to move like three or four days later. I'm packing up shop. The whole world's going into panic mode, lockdown. And here I am, some nutcase at 18, just turned 18, was filling my 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 old Subaru with all my shit and crossing the borders. And I crossed the borders and we were in uh, with Daz in, Bruns- in in Ocean. And I got a call from my sister, panicking, abusing me. I, we were, I, was out in the, I was out in the deck and she was just abusing me. Like, what are you doing? Like, you're coming, come back. You're not driving down. Your car's going to panic. Your car's going to break down. Like, freaking out. And all I said to her was, look, Lisa, I appreciate your input, but I'm going anyway. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I appreciate your input, but I'm not listening. Simply put, whole family's just freaking out. And it's just like literally having that. If I had have listened to that, there is no way in hell that I'd be where I am today. Like having this certainty in my mind that what I was doing was for the good. And to be able to literally, when my family are yelling at me, telling me I'm doing the wrong thing, saying my car's going to f- make me trying to freak out, saying my car's going to break down, you know, you don't have any money, like what are you going to do for a job? And having this certainty in my mind that this is the right decision, like if I hadn't have made that decision, I would quite literally not be here. Mm. 
no, there's no way. We wouldn't be as close. Nothing would be the same. It would have been a complete different life for me. I mean, you can't, obviously we can't connect the dots in a different journey, but who knows where I would have been. And so you kind of go like being able to remove all of the, oh, I'm just doing this to make my parents proud. I'm doing this to do this. I'm To be able to have the balls to go against the grain is quite literally like your your life can change after one hard conversation. And you've just got to do things for you and realize that when your head hits the pillow at night, no matter what phase of your life in, you're always going to have you by your side. You're not going to have your parents by your side. They're going to be off this planet while you, when you're still alive. Being able to do things for you is the, is the first barrier that most people have to drop. As sickening as it sounds, you've got to take advantage of the unconditional love that your parents have for you. You can break up with them, the equivalent of breaking up with them, and they're going to unconditionally love you. You need to just get out of there and do your own thing. And you care about them and love them so much. Well, when you get a bit of success for yourself, you're going to be able to be the first generation entrepreneur of your family. And you're going to be able to create generational wealth and a generationally stable family for generations to come and give back to them. Mm. Right? You're going to be able to give back to them so much more than you would if you went and worked a shitty job where you get paid yep. fuck all money and you get on the piss every single weekend. Yeah. Like in time you will bring them more peace, but you've just got to cut it off to begin with and get it, get out of their, their little um, silo. Um, yeah. And that's just, it's just the way well, it is. Well, the hard part about it is unconditional love is sticky. So you, it's hard to leave someone's presence when there's unconditional love involved. Yeah. And I take like, we're stub. We are, both to a degree stubborn people. It's a characteristic that we hold. Yeah, yeah. And so we would take that the difficulty for granted. Because I'm sure a lot of people would find it a lot more A lot harder. harder. But 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 even when you when you think about it and go like there's unconditional love in your old friends too. There's a lot of unconditional love in friends that you've grown up with. But the whole concept around if you're in a room with five dickheads, you're the sixth is so true. So if you spend all your time and most of your time with family that are negative or good old friends that are negative where all these characters have unconditional love involved, you've spent years and years and years with these people. You love them unconditionally. Regardless of who they are, if you spend your time with them, you're the sum of the people you're around. So the fact that it's sticky is a major problem for you because I don't care if they're your family. I don't care if they're your loved ones, your friends, whoever they are, if they're a negative person or they're not elevating you or inspiring you, then you're going to, they're going to rub off on you and that's going to be really negative for you. And so maybe a problem is the fact that the unconditional love is quite sticky it's going to, you're going to say, oh, it's, it's okay that these people are like this because they're my family. When it's like, it's, it's okay to love those people, but from afar is probably what you need to do so that you can level up you and then by doing so and, and obtaining success, which it's going to be very hard to do with them around you, you'll be able to help all them. <laughs> it's like taking a step back out of love and saying, look, I need to go out on my own for me right now and by doing so I'm going to look after all of you yep and it's a selfless approach by stepping away 
It's like I've got to be selfish in the short term to be able to be selfless in the long term. Yeah. Like, you know, there's blokes who live at home and they're like 22, 23, 24 and live at home full time have never left. Like, you're not, 30. You're, not an, you're not an adult until you move out of home. Well, when you talk about the maturity scale, right, and bearing responsibility is where it starts. <laughs> like, like you're, you, you are not, you are not going to become mature by getting everything given to you and handed to you. You've got to bear the responsibility, mm-hmm. gain experience in that, gain competency, then get, gain maturity by doing so. Totally. So like that whole, that whole scale, when you explained that to me, it all clicked because when you actually get asked a question, it's like you're, you're mature beyond your years. You go, yeah, because maturity is not tied with years. <laughs> of course I'm mature beyond my years. Because I bear responsibility that people not my age did. Yeah. And so when you can de- detach maturity with age and go maturity comes from bearing the responsibility, you can then realize that it doesn't matter how old I am, I can relate with people that are on the same maturity level as me. Mm-hmm. And then by doing so, if you can relate to people that are older than you, you can typically obtain things that older people have at a younger age. Yeah, 100%. For sure. Anything else you wanted Should to talk about cue? today? Ask another question. Ask yeah. another. Answer another question. Let's answer another question, guys. If we post this, and you, we, we're on the fence about posting this, but if we post this, um, shout out to all you guys that got this far into the pod. Um, Sammy and I obviously talk a lot, and so we could talk for hours. But um, I'm really enjoying this, and I like having this studio environment. So, here's a cool one. First book to read in 2024. Someone asked you, what book should I read? I want to get into self-improvement, um, business, maybe not even business, just self-improvement as a whole. What book do I read? I'm going to read um, Choose Your Enemies Wisely by Patty by David. BBD. That's what I'm going to read. It's a hard question to answer because yeah. it totally, phase dispen- of totally phase. depends on what the person If needs. you've not started anything, you don't know money, like rich dad, poor dad, so you can understand that money is not an exchange from time. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I'd almost make the argument these days that I'm not even sure if I'd, if I'd suggest generalist reading. Yeah, like more specific to the phase of that you're going in. Specific to what you're needing, maybe, maybe early days a bit of generalist reading. Fundamentals, I think, are pretty important. Fundamentals. Though. So yeah. you just know know the, know the fundamentals. I I would more now read a book on a specific topic that I want help in right now in the business, or on a specific uh, from from a specific author that I'm currently studying. Yeah, I would if I was trying to get into business specifically and I was new. I would read The E-Myth because you still haven't read that one, I don't think. The E-Myth, I'd highly recommend. Because what that will do is that'll wiggle out all your desires and thoughts of starting a business that you're a good technician in. And so if you're like really good at pie making and you work in a pie shop and you go, and you go, I want to... I make, I'm the best, I, I'm doing all the work in this pie shop, but my boss is making all the money. I'm going to go make my own pie shop. You realize that you're only good at making pies, but there's 19 other skills that you need to run that business profitably. So if you go in and be a technician and want to start your business because you think you're good at that thing, you're going to be humbled really quick. So the e will teach you the difference between an entrepreneur 
and a technician yeah. and um, and the differences. So I would say that. But I mean, like, so many. Like, one of our favorite books is Purple Cow by by Seth Godin. Being able to stand out in the pack. That's principles that we use in absolutely like everything in our life. Really, how can we stand out? Yeah, yeah. There's probably like ten good books, and then beyond that, like I mean, read them all fifty times, sort of thing. Yeah, and I think you know. Hormozzi says there's no book that's ever going to teach you the lessons on making a hundred dials in sales. There's no sales book that exists. That's going to teach you the same as making a hundred dials. And it's like, like I remember um, an analogy I've always used for this exact same concept learning is um, when I learned to uh, snowboard, I, there was no, uh, there was no appointments with the instructors available for like the first four hours that I was on the slopes and so I just went out there. They call it the magic carpet at the front when yeah, you learn. Yeah, yeah. And I just fell flat on my ass for like four hours. And I was kind of getting it because, you, know, you know, I was kind of getting it by the end of then, kind of. And I had a lesson and the bloke was able to give me a bit of technique and I was pretty much on my way within an hour. If I had have went and had the appointment at the beginning, I would have fell flat on my ass a hundred times with the bloke there that I'm paying 200 bucks an yeah. hour for. Because you're gonna you're gonna fall in your ass a hundred times regardless. regardless yeah. Of so the it's technique. like go make your hundred, probably more like a thousand dials, and then go read all the books because mm. you're gonna you're gonna fail a thousand times anyway. Yeah, I remember my first job, and I have a story. I just want to quickly talk about snowboarding after this. But I remember my first job at like at Hungry Jacks, and the introduction, the induction thing was this hectic theory test. That took so long and all of the most stupid questions that how could you expect me to know? Yeah. And it would take so long. Uh, luckily, I, the, the manager girl really liked me. So I just got her to do the whole thing because I was like in a bit of a stuck and she just wanted me to get start working. And I, I was like chatting to her at the time. And, um, and surprise. And um, anyway, I got in. She's like, she's like, I'll do this. But then after you work a little bit, you've got to finish some of it. And anyway, I looked through it before I started. Then I went and worked and realized that all of the answers I, I had to figure out, I learned within the first two shifts. And then something that took hours to learn, theoretically, by doing two shifts, then doing the theory test, I basically knew everything, smashed it out. And it's just that whole crazy thing around like actually doing the thing is where you're going to learn. Like it's where you're going to learn. And it's so funny. Just to, just a, just a thought that came up about the snowboarding. I remember I was snowboarding the other a couple of years ago, whatever. And I was really struggling on the inwards turn, the, the right turn for me. And, um, Oh, I could hang on. Cause you're, you're goofy. We, no, my back, my right foot. No, no, no. I'm normal. I'm what foot's at the front? Orthodox. My front's the left. And the inside was hard. No, so I could I could turn like I could push forward and go left, like I could, face the slope. I could never face the slope. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I reckon that's the easier way. Well, well, it's funny. I was because it's like a wave. Was, it's like surfing. I was eating shit so badly because I kept being able to turn left. And I just kept drifting left, and I'd fall off the track. And I was eating shit. It was so annoying. And then I called you. I was on the slope, and I was just like. I was fucked. I was like, this is so annoying. Everyone's all ditched me. They're all like beasts. Beasts. And everyone's just ditched me. And I could skate really well and, and I can surf kind of. And um, I was like, this, I can't get this. And you're like, what do you do when, you, when you're when you turning left? 
I'm like, okay, I put my heels to the ground. Like I put my heels to the ground is when I'm turning left. And he's like, so when you're turning right, just do the opposite. Put your toes to the ground. And I was like, okay. And then I literally did that after I'd been slammed on my face so many times. And so it's just like heels to the ground, left, toes to the ground, right. And then it just worked. And I just, and I just, all of a sudden I was flying. Mm. It was like such an interesting thing. It's like, you just need to know a little bit of technique on how to do it. And then you're on your way and you do it. But maybe because I landed on my face so many times. But the moral is, if that advice was given to you at the get-go, you still would have fell on your face. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, I mean, like, let's see if there's any other questions. There's, that was, it, it was a, it was a, it was a lesson. You have to, you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to just land on your face. Yeah, micro fails. Micro fail. Yeah. To, Let's see if there's anything else. Um, no, we're not going to talk about that. I don't really feel like, sorry guys, I don't really feel like talking about girls and breakups today. How do you handle with all your emotions inside? Do you feel like, is there power in letting it out? Is there power? Interesting. Do you have like any what, Like are we talking like anxiety? Like yeah, well, your emotions sadness. inside, right? I guess for me, what comes to mind straight away is Go like... work out. Does the job. For me, what, what comes straight away is like the whole thing around looking so good on the outside, but then being really confused and lost on the inside. That's what I think about straight away. So it's like, because he's saying your emotions inside. So it's almost like they're not shown outside. So how do you deal with them for me? But, but, but like, to be honest, it's just like, where are the emotions stemming from? Are you having, are you feel, are you feeling depressed or having anxiety? Maybe you're lacking, like you, you, by having certain emotions, you need to look within and figure out where they're stemming from, I think, and thinking practically about it and going, maybe it's because my life's really uninspiring and I don't really have any drive to do anything. And so by doing so, I'm not progressing. And so that's, I'm struggling to find joy. Yeah, I think there's like, there's macro problems that need to be solved, which is like what you just touched on. And then micro, like we're talking about like you're sitting there and you're anxious as fuck or you're super sad. It's like, what do I do right now? Which isn't take a pill. I reckon <laughs> go work out, don't sleep with girls, eat good food, don't drink any alcohol, consume any drugs and get sunlight. Yeah. And just go hard and do that as much as you can. Like, uh, Yeah, well, it's just, and, and it's then just on top resisting of that, the short-term pleasures. And then on top of that, like... That's building discipline. Also, like, look at therapy. Like, I, yeah. I think therapy is great. I, I'm, I was fortunate enough to, be, to spend a lot of time with a psychologist throughout the years. And it, it taught me to ask different questions of myself. Like, yeah. I definitely don't think it's your self-reflection increased by the, by doing yeah if you've got the resources to do it definitely do it um, but I don't reckon taking pills and going and, and seeing seeing people and spending lots of money on psychologists is worth yeah. it if the fundamentals aren't being done and if you're just drinking all the time and doing drugs and not eating good food and not working out yeah yeah for sure I, we're 100% aligned exactly we are, of course we, we, are. We, we know that like if you have all of those in line, it's extremely hard to be depressed. And I think I think people just need to separate the 
the emotion of being depressed with clinical depression. Yeah. Like, like they're just two different like things. Feeling depressed is different to being depressed. Yeah, and when you say that you are depressed, you are basically characterizing yourself and you're telling yourself that you are depressed. But, but what you said before there is you said like the, the macro problem that needs to be solved in terms of maybe my life isn't inspiring enough. What that is, is it's like, just like how if I get a needle and, and bring my finger, it hurts because it's a, it's a pain receptor feedback loop. And what it's basically telling my brain is it's saying, if I continue to do this, I'll die because yeah. of the blood loss. The, the um, forget all clinical diagnosed states, just separate all that. That's not what we're talking about. If you have an experience of anxiety or an experience of depression short term, just the feeling that's also a pain receptor feedback loop. Mm. I love that. It's a pain receptor feedback That's what Tate talks about, yeah. It's actually good. You want that. If you're going into a busy meeting, you want a bit of anxiety because what that, it's like fight or flight. It can kick you into, kick you into gear. What your body's telling you is it's saying, Sam, this is important. I'm making you a little bit anxious right now because it's so important. You've got to fire up and you've got to get ready. Yeah. I, um... Or before a footy game is even an even better. I example. love that. I love that. The the thing that comes to mind is something that that Tate said. Yeah, and I'll play it. I want you all to understand something about life. This contentment and unhappiness is supposed to motivate you, but you've been tricked by the modern world into thinking that there's a problem with you, that it's a condition, there's a disease, there's something wrong with me. Completely incorrect. Incorrect. When you feel like shit, it's supposed to be warning you that, that your, your life, life is shit. shit. And something must change. And it's supposed to inspire you to push harder. I want- How good is that? That it, that sums up exactly what we just said. Pain receptor feedback loop. Like that, that's precisely what, what it is. It's like when you feel like shit, that is your body telling you that, there's, that something must change. There is something going wrong. <laughs> and um, and looking at that and looking at things like feeling depressed as a, okay, there's something in my life that isn't aligned with what I need to do. There, I've got a higher calling. There's something more that I'm made for. Hmm. And being able to feel that way and go look within and go, okay, something needs to change is the first step to going away from getting, getting away from that. Like when, like, that that whole thing around that whole thing around if you have like what's what are all the things you list them all that it's like when someone says oh, i'm feeling shit go yeah. sunlight good food working out um connection with your mates Inspir- inspired by certain it's, have a goals have goals and not drink or use drugs yeah if you do all of that i can almost guarantee you not like like not i'm not going to guarantee but like Cl- clinically Diagnosed situations is not what we're talking about. Like, remove those. Proper clinically diagnosed, because also people diagnose it very easily nowadays too. Yeah, sure. But yeah, I mean, obviously we're not doctors, so it's not not for us to speak on. This is just all based on our experience. But um, but what I find is when I am feeling the most depressed is when things are like that. Things that we've just listed are lacking in my life, and if I'm drinking all the time. I feel I'm lacking purpose a bit because I'm feeling run down. And I don't feel like I'm getting closer to my goals. Which is good. Which is, it's it's telling me that I need to stop doing the drinking in order to feel good. 
And so being able to know that all of these negative thoughts are telling you something for the better and they're going to better you. Yeah. Oh, it's so huge. I remember um, I've, I've only dated one girl. I've only had one relationship for a couple of years. And when we broke up, it was, um, it was my own experience of kind of core heartbreak, right? And the three simple things that I did, this was all I did, is I worked out every day, if not twice a day. I didn't drink any alcohol and I didn't, didn't sleep, sleep with any other girls. And I just did those three things for six months. And Morgan said that as well. <laughs> Morgan, Morgan said that. You'd be that. surprised. It's not bloody rocket science. Morgan um, on the pod that I was literally seeing in this studio, he said like one of his mentors said something very similar. Yeah. It was about that. And then apparently he was like, he chuffled when the, at the very end he was like, not sleep with any girls. Like, what? Like, what? I thought that's what you're supposed to do when you break up. It's like, yeah. no. It's like there's, there's, there's short-term pleasure from that, but you're not gaining anything because you're running away from the feelings that you have about a loss of, of a, a romantic relationship. And also you've had a void in you while you're dating them where you feel like you want variety. And then when that's been unlocked as well by not having someone you're tied to, you feel like you need to fill that void. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a whole other rabbit There's hole. a bit of a selfish question here that I just want to answer. Bro, what is your motivation towards poetry? And it's really interesting. A massive motivator as well. There's, there's a couple of things to it. But mine's the whole process of it. The delivery is half of it. Being able to write something in a way that can be delivered in a way that's really elegant and nice. I really enjoy that. But also, also I was very bad at school in English. And I've come a long way. An extremely long way. You can contest to that. I was not the brightest kid at school. Let me rephrase that. I could have been, I just didn't try. And English was certainly not my forte and I wasn't very good at it. And I've come a long way. The fact that now what I do for a living is speak in front of a camera is something that I'm really proud of how far I've come. And poetry is the next level to that. It's where Hang I can- on, let, Let's just say you were never a bad speaker. You might have had bad vocabulary. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was never a bad speaker. No, I've always been. I've always been. But it's, oh, mate, in front of a camera. Think about that yeah. video I sent to the uh, to the crash. Shocking. Like, proper shocking. But, but, but yeah. Right. But, but, like, the how far I've come is, is insane. And it gives me confidence when teaching people that aren't where I am in my ability to speak and know that you can get there. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. There's old videos of me. You can even scroll down to the bottom of my Instagram and they're shocking. And they were no, they were good comparatively to where I used to be. Yep. Poetry is a reminder and, of, of, of how far you've come. Yeah, and you're com I wasn't good at English in school. And you're combining, you're combining vocabulary with writing and with delivery and speaking and speech of the Eng English language – and combining that with confidence in front of a camera, you're combining all of that with one of those poetry videos. Mm -hmm. Like if you asked me when I was in school that I could do that, I got nervous standing up in front of the staff, in front of the class of 20 doing my English assignment. Absurdly nervous. Like me, I was the cool kid at school and I, I got so scared doing that shit. You were that guy that, all your mates were in the classroom just laughing. You could barely keep a straight face. I think yeah, everybody was. Yeah, but I was so shit. 
Yeah. I got the girls to write my assignments for me. Yeah. I was horrible. I was so bad. When I went to school, which was not very much in grade 12, you know that, like I was horrible. So to answer your question on, on the motivation towards it is I enjoy the whole process of it. And when I finish writing a poem and I read it out in my head, I smile and go, holy shit, that's good. And then even just doing like collabs with Reagan, for example, she's on another whole level. And the way she can unpack that, we were on FaceTime for two hours writing poems together. And the way I would write something and then she would just go and pull it all apart and deliver it in, and, and like write it in such an elegant way, I would go, that is, that is cool. And she's admittedly, she's wrote poems every day four poems a day, no, two poems a day for four years or whatever it is. She looks like the type of girl that'd be good at English. At yeah, 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 for sure. But we've got a meeting at two o'clock, don't we? Do we have to wrap yeah, it we up? we do. We'll wrap it up. But it's we'll been fun, up. hey? Hey, this has been good. Good number two. I could do this. I could do this a bit more. Um, for those of you guys that don't know, and if you've tuned into the end, I'm sure you've, you've got to know a bit about us because, like, thank you so much for, for tuning in for what? What have we been speaking for now? A couple of hours? Mm-hmm. Two hours? Um, so thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate you and stay tuned. We're best mates and we've done everything together in this pod. We didn't talk about, and we haven't released the first one. So if we do release this one, if you're watching this, then, then by all means, this is the first one, but, um, we've done everything together. All of our businesses we've done together and we're sort of the ride or die mates. And so we're probably going to be in each other's lives for life. So, um, stay tuned. If you like me, you'll like Sam and, um, yeah, follow us online and, and thanks for engaging and sharing and inspiring and all the rest of all the fun stuff and shake my hand, brother. Cheers, brother. Cheers, bro. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.